We're going to spend some time in Nehemiah. Nehemiah initially in the Hebrew Bibles combined with Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah really are one book. Uh, They are contemporary reformers. Ezra, a priest, a scribe who was skilled in the law of Moses and led in the reading of the Torah to the post-exilic community. We find that in Nehemiah 8, chapter, verses 1 through 12. Nehemiah is the gifted administrator who organizes the people in restoring the community and rebuilt the broken city that was destroyed by Babylon in 587 B.C. Both of these men came from Susa and Persia during the reign of Artaxerxes I in the years 464 to 424 B.C. And notice in our Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah proceeds uh, uh, first and uh, so I'm sorry after First and Second Chronicles, but in the Hebrew Bible it precedes it and it ends with First and Second Chronicles. The separation came when the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and other translations, the Greek, the Latin, the English Bible has First Second Chronicles preceding. Uh, Nehemiah and and Ezra and separates the two. And so this book deals with brokenness. And so we're going to talk about brokenness. Natural disasters are natural events such as a flood, an earthquake, a hurricane, or causes great damage or loss of life. We in the Midwest are all too familiar with tornadoes that come and how they destroy communities. When you see damages and such as that, sometimes we're waiting on not for us to understand it was a natural disaster, but for the government to say it is a natural disaster. The reason why we're waiting for the United States uh, president to, to declare a disaster for there's two types of disaster declarations provided through the Stanford Act. Emergency declarations and major disaster declarations, both declaration types authorize the president to provide supplemental and federal disaster assistance. However, the events related to the two different types of declaration and scope and amount of assistance differ. Uh, You have the first declaration, which is just minimum, and then you have the second declaration, means all hands on deck. Uh, Every federal, every government, everybody will show up to help out. The purpose of the declaration is to make numerous resources available to help rebuild what has been destroyed. But then what about when your house catches on fire and everything is destroyed? The city's still well, but your living quarters have changed. The house that you thought you were going to rest in now rests, lays, and shambles. The place you used to be able to sit, there's nowhere to sit. The places you were able to rest, there's no place to rest. The place your children were able to play, there's no place to play. To see it messed up and wrestle, it wrestles with you. That it, it gives you a sense of saying, I don't feel safe anymore. What was home has now changed. Think about how what happens that when you look at that place and what the city will do. First of all, the city's going to clean up the mess. The city's going to let you know they can't stay like this, so you need to find somewhere else to go, but we're going to take care of this. They will clean it up. 
they will, they will remove it and make sure that it's clean and remove the eyesore. And, and that's why sometimes you realize how many people move away because they don't want to go around things that look so dilapidated and broken down. That's why people leave where it's broken in poverty places because they don't want to see places that look reproach. And notice how when your house is destroyed, the place you live is destroyed, what does it do to you? It impacts you. Just think about how even if somebody broke it into your place but didn't take anything, you still feel broken. You still feel insecure because what was, was secure has now been found insecure. So look, look in the process of our text, Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The word of God says, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the late autumn in the month of Kislev, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and their gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Verse 5, then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. We'll stop right there. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor and reading of God's word. A disaster has happened. Homes have been broken. Lives have been changed. Imagine if that was your report, that your house is broken and things are not well. How would you respond? Know now, notice how it tells you two places, Jerusalem and where Nehemiah is. Nehemiah is in the citadel, in the fortress. He's in the castle. He's in place of privilege, serving in a place of privilege. He is the cupbearer to the king. Now, anybody, just anybody can be the cupbearer. It got to be somebody trustworthy. Because I'm trusting you to taste something to make sure I don't die. And so, therefore, I got to trust that you won't try to slip something in after you sip. You have to be trustworthy. So, here's a trustworthy person in a place of privilege serving the king. Everything he needs is taken care of, but yet he's still concerned about home. His brother and some of the homeboys come by to check on him, and he wants to know, how are things? He asks, notice the two questions he asks. How are the people, and how is the city? Y'all catch that? First, the remnant. They are greatly distressed. They are in misery. They are 
injured. They are hurting. They are wronged. The people's condition of injury is reflected on the state of the city. Because the city is from the destruction that happened from Babylon's takeover. And notice how that they are injured, they are in misery, they are distressed because once security they did have has been violated. And the reason why it has been violated is not because they've been good and they've been wrong, but because they've been wrong all along. God has been warning his children to be faithful to him. But by them being unfaithful to a faithful God, God's judgment stepped in. And Babylon came and took what they had. And so now look at their situation. Their times have caught up with them. Some of us are still running the race thinking they were doing all right because it hasn't caught up with us. It's not your name in the newspaper under who's been arrested. You don't have to check have you ever convicted, committed a crime because you didn't get caught. You're not worried about somebody talking about you on Facebook or Twitter because they didn't have it back then when you were doing what you were doing. And so here it is that when we understand that our sin will catch up with us and it can lay waste to what we hold dear. Here it is, the remnant are suffering of what has been laid waste because of sin. And notice how the remnant is a small selected few. And so uh, the, 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 the sins of the many have impacted the few. And how true it is today, how the majority hurts the minority. Y'all quiet on me. Do y'all not understand how you can impact somebody else? Either though you think you're living your life well, your sin could be injuring the city. Y'all quiet on me. You want a, a better house and you blame everybody else, but yet you're the one causing the trouble. Because you have not acknowledged the sin that you have to address in your life. When we do not address sin and it, lead, and it goes unchecked, it will wreck whatever it can lay hold of. Uh, you, you know how diseases spread, right? They spread when you don't do anything to fight against them. If you're going to be sick and the doctor tells you to take some medicine to fight against the disease, you say, I don't like medicine. Well, the doctor's going to let you know when you come back and say, doctor, I don't feel good. He's going to ask you the question. Did you take the, the medicine that was prescribed to you? No, I haven't. Well, that's your answer. We must do what needs to be done to eradicate the thing that's trying to kill us. Brokenness being observed. So what causes your brokenness? He asked them what's going on, and they said they're not doing well. They are in great trouble and disgrace. Notice how that their situation lets them know that they are in trouble and they are disgraced. Maybe you haven't been there before, but I've been there before that sometimes you didn't have the cool clothes. 
And so on your way to go to school, on the first day of school, you thought you had something nice on, but you get to school, everybody's got something nicer on. And so you feel greatly disgraced <laughs> and troubled. They talking about your shoes and how your shoes are cheap shoes and not good shoes because you don't have any J's on. I wanted some J's. Mama knew I wanted some J's, but she let me know J's cost too much. You're going to get these brands right here and put them on your feet. We went to Payless. I know, I know. And then before, before, we, before sometimes we didn't go to Payless, we went to Venture first. Y'all don't know about Venture. Some of y'all don't know about Venture. But I got me some Venture brand shoes, and them, them soles ran off by the end of the school year, I guarantee you. They, they stayed on to the end of the school year. They went off. Mama said, now it's time to get some new shoes. They couldn't be earlier. So I called them my fast shoe because I was one of the fastest. I was like, yes, yeah, so either way, you can talk about my shoe, but you can't catch me. Everybody else had name, brand, costly shirts. I tried to hide the brand my shirt had on. When you don't have what everybody else has, you might feel disgraced and you might feel ashamed, so you do other things. So other things will make you try to hide and not want to be around people. So I won't sit in the front of the class. I'll sit in the back of the class. I'll try to keep a coat on so nobody have to see my shirt. Shoes can do nothing about the shoes. They saw them, it's going to be them. But things you do to cover up your shame and your disgrace. Imagine how when your life has been wrecked by sin, how all of a sudden you stop returning phone calls. You don't go out as much. People don't see you around. Your smile you used to have is no longer there. What is it that you, people notice there's a change in your countenance? You, I, I started out the first day of school happy. Mama takes the pictures. We in front, of, in front of the house. We smiling all ready to go. Come back home mad. How was your first day? Horrible. Everybody talking about me, how I look. Notice how the city and how the people, how they look. Notice the observance. It Nehemiah don't look good. The people are down. They're disgraced. And the city is down. Now notice how the brokenness is observed by somebody else. Do you understand that sometimes you need a second point of view to let you know how bad it really is? Because sometimes we are comfortable when we get used to it. Because those same shoes are on my feet, but I got used to it when I got in there. I'm like, yeah, we good to go now. We get used to what we sometimes feel ashamed of, but yet still deep down, though, we play it all. We still wish, I wish it was better. Here it is that the remnant are lowed and down. They look run down. They look beat. They look tired. Has that ever happened to somebody before? You thought you were looking pretty good. They come by and ask you, what's wrong with you with me? What's wrong with me? You looking at them all strange. Like, how are you going to tell me what's wrong with me? And they say, well, you don't seem like your usual self. And now you, now you, can, now you know they're getting close by. Like, what you talking about? Everything's good. But somebody can see that you're different now. You used to say hello when you first walked into the office, but you went straight to your desk today. I, I usually see you walking on your break and, and, and smiling, but this time you just sat in your car and ate. 
We pick up and see how people act different. You, uh, you, you look run down. You look beat. Notice how the terminology is not, it's not up, it's down, torn down. Notice the people look down. Notice how when people look at you, say, you look like you need some rest. You look like you need to take a low call. When we are beat down, people can see, though you try to play it off. They can see. They can see what you don't see. We need that second point of view. Nehemiah's that second point of view. The people are, have been living in this condition for some time. This, this was not just a one-day thing. It's been some years, some decades. The people have been living in this condition, and, and yet it took one person to hear something and said, you know what, it should not be. Nehemiah saw the issue and saw a solution bigger than the problem. Sometimes we need to realize that things are not as bad as we think they are. We need to go get a second opinion. We need another eye to expose the issues that need to be addressed. Notice how his friends came to him. And let me, let me go back a little bit. I want to play with some names here. Nehemiah's name means y'all comforts. And his dad's name means God is faithful. And, 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 and I, his brother's name means God is gracious. <laughs> and so in this process of these names, these people already got a standard that our God is faithful, he comforts, and he is gracious. And so notice how he understood the problem, but he didn't address the problem. He went to the solution. What did he respond? How did he respond? He says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Because what hurt him was not only were the people down, but the environment was not healthy. It says the environment was reproach. It was a, a contempt. It was disgrace. It was a place of scorn and shame. The, the city of Jerusalem reminds me of another movie, a Disney movie. They got a third one coming out called Cars. And if you ever watch Cars, uh, uh, Lightning McQueen gets lost in an old city that nobody cares for called Radiator Springs. And Radiator Springs used to be a bubbling city. Everybody used to come through driving on, on Route 66 because you got your kicks on Route 66. And so they would come on through and Radiator Springs was a popular place and the big time highway came and made a great thoroughfare straight through this and nobody had to stop by on the side to the small city and, and lo and behold the road is messed up buildings are torn down lights don't work and the people are down y'all see how that works out the environment changed the people changed because the environment impacted them think about how you, you know, people talk about, you know, a clean house, clean mind, right? You have different websites that tell you how you can do things for called feng sway, how you try to create area and angles to create some kind of energy or synergy in your place. Basically, they're just saying that if you clean up, it, it's going to be a lot healthier in your house. Y'all quiet on me. Uh, it, it's not about what angle is this one put north, east, south, west. If you just clean up, things is going to be better. And so here it is that their place is so messed up, they feel messed up because their place is messed up. And it impacts us. Notice how our environment impacts us. And think about where crime is. Crime is oftentimes where? In the poorest community. And the poorest community is oftentimes the least developed community. It has run down buildings, broken things. 
things don't work. And so, therefore, when things don't work, the people attitude is down. Y'all quiet on me. And so think about how when things get into this situation, how it becomes easier to accept it as reality and not do anything to change it. Jerusalem means the foundation of peace, the capital city of Israel, also known as the city of God, the holy city. It's symbolic of God's home. But why will God be at a place that looks like mess? place of walls, broken down, burned by fire. People's hearts and attitudes down, not looking towards God. That's why Ezra's there trying to get them back on track. Ezra's already there, trying to lead them back to the heart of God. But yet he's in need of a Nehemiah. Notice here that Ezra is the spiritual leader. Nehemiah is what you would say the temporal leader. You have the spiritual one seeing the spiritual issues and addressing that. Then you have the, the physical one seeing the physical problems and addressing that. Notice how you need two to come together. You need the administrator and you need the spirits. You need them all coming together. You had one gifted in the law and you have one gifted in administration, know how to organize, know how to produce. He, uh, for modern terminology, he knows how to write those grants. He knows how to get that money. He knows how to organize people. He knows how to put a rally together. He, this Nehemiah knows how to do this. He's that community organizer. He is that politician. He is that manager. He's that one that knows if you need a job done, he's the one you're going to call. Nehemiah has the gift. And so notice that his issue was realizing that the state of the people's condition is a reflection of the relationship with God. He, too, even though his focus primarily was on the temporal, the physical, he understood it was all spiritual. Y'all quiet on me. He understood that it was a God thing, not a building thing. And so he understood the principle that if the temple and the building is all torn down, he understood this principle when Solomon dedicated the temple. Y'all, do y'all know familiar in Second Chronicles seven fourteen? Right? If my people. Now the if my people is God's response to Solomon. Solomon made a covenant unto God, realizing that God, you could have chosen anywhere, but you chose Jerusalem. This is what Solomon says in Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. I'll just read you a little portion of this. It says, Since the day that I brought my people from the land of Egypt, I did not choose a city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there, nor did I choose any man for a leader over my people Israel, but I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, because it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you should not build the house, but your son who will be born to you shall build the house 
for my name. Look closely again. The history shows that God could have been anywhere, but he chose to be in Jerusalem. And the people were, if you keep on reading, were called to say, become covenant to this God. And, and, and Solomon goes on to say, because he knows how messed up we are. Uh, uh, here's how we are messed up. We are messed up that we always have conditions on some things, right? Right? You think about any, anybody got an electronic gadget, right? And they say they gave you a warranty on it, right? And you go take it in and they ask you a few questions. Because you say, I'm going to get it replaced. But they say, nah, nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, some, there's some, some, some things that we just not going to cover. Did you drop it? Nope, didn't drop it. All right, let me see it. Uh, well, why is this dent right here? Well, how how this get here? They, they look good. Did you drop it in water? No, 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 no. Didn't drop it in water. All right. Well, if we find out you drop it in water, the warranty is void and we won't cover it. Let you know that there's some exceptions. We'll cover all these things. If you are faithful to this, we'll cover this, but we won't cover this. Here it is. God says, if you are faithful to me, I'm going to keep you covered. No matter how enemies will come against you, I will protect you because those things will come. But if you rebel against me. If you turn your heart against me, I will cause famine. I will send wars and I will pull you out of the land and destroy it. And Solomon understood this. God said, if your people turn from you, right, and you cause pestilence and you call these things, will you remember us? And so when God answers prayer, that's when we get that 714, if my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves. So notice here that in Nehemiah realizing the issue of the place, he first had to humble himself. How, how, do, I, how do I respond to my brokenness? I've got to humble myself and realize I'm broken. only got a few people with me. Because you, when you do not realize you're broken and people see that you're broken, you will continue to deny to them that there's nothing wrong. And you'll continue to operate in your brokenness, and you'll be continuing to hurting yourself when they're only trying to help you. That's sort of like how you try to be a nice driver. You're trying to wave somebody down and drive and let them know, say, hey, your tire is running low. You're only trying to help them so that they can put some air in that tire so they won't be running on the flat, which end up will give more damage unto the car. And so we, we try to help people out, but they can just wave you on and say, I'm good, go on. And that's what some of them do. Be like, I know it's flat. And they could care less. They're happy with rolling on a flat tire, not knowing that they're going to be paying more money. Y'all quiet on When you understand that the damage of the brokenness, you understand I need to get it fixed now. Too many people have waited too long to get it right. Sitting in the hospital bed saying, if I only came in earlier. You don't have to wait. God is ready to do work on us right now. We need to just come to him. So, Lord, here I am. Broken. In needing of your healing. Notice that. We need to welcome God in our lives. We need to make an environment that welcomes him. Notice that God chose the sanctuary because the people dedicated to God. 
We need to turn from our selfish ways and seek God to remove us from this broken state. This broken state realizing that we are in this broken state because of our own selfishness, because of our own agenda, because of our own desires. I want you to think about how you have many successes in your life and, and you have many failures in your life. But think about why some of your successes really were successes. Because somebody was there to help you out. And then think about many of our failures happening because nobody else was there to help us out. Think about how joy shared is joy double. So you want more joy than share your joy. You get double the joy. God is joy. And that's why we get the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When it speaks of that, it's talking about his word, his word. And so the remedy for our brokenness is the word of God. I tell you, they return to the word of God. And so here it is that we need to understand that Ezra is already working. He's already trying to get the word in their hearts. He's trying to get them to turn back to God, realizing that, and first and foremost, because you know they tried to rebuild the wall before Nehemiah got there, and then, but all the enemies came up together in strength and said, no, 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 don't y'all dare. Going to put that wall back up. Because they understood that they put that wall back up, maybe God might show back up. And that's the same God that destroyed all those cities around. So they're like, no, 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 no. We can't let them do that. Let them be fortified, become secure again. And so here it is that Ezra is trying to encourage them. Though you have broken walls, yet you still have a God you can serve. Turn to the word of God. Psalms 19, 7, 8 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping according to your word? With all my heart, I have sought you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs tells us now how not only do we need to trust God's word, but we need to fear the Lord and obey. And tell your neighbor, fear and obey. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, help me preach and tell them don't be a fool. Uh, see, fools despise instruction. When someone's trying to help you out and show you what it is, you can say, I got it. You being a fool. I hope I ain't getting too, too many mad at me by calling you a fool, but everybody plays a fool sometimes, and today might be your day. And so we need to understand that I don't want to be a fool. I need to listen to instructions. I need to trust God and listen to him. Sometimes we sit down to somebody and say, you can't tell me anything. Go and try to tell me how to do something. And that's your problem, that you're not listening. If you are listening, you might not be in the problem, the predicament that you're in now. But if you took some time just to spend some time and listen and meditate to God's word and fear him and obey him, you'll find out that people are only trying to help you. You don't got to get mad every, every time somebody's trying to give you some helpful advice. Just listen. Humble yourself. See, when you fear God, you humble yourself. Here's, here's, the, here's the pride of man. Here's the pride of man. I, I, I was reading in the story, and, and, and uh, 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 I'm, I'm retelling the story by 
my main, my mind went blank with the lady. Her name is Katie, Dr. Katie. I think it's Dr. Katie Cannon. She's telling the story. So I'm summarizing the story about a little girl with her mom walking and see a man with a, the head of a lion. And so she, 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 so the little girl says to the mother, mother, that don't make any sense. Say, a man, no, he can't tame a lion. The mother looked at the little girl and said, but it was a man who made it. Some lady got that. See, this is in a feminist book dealing with how you live in a male world, how men think anything is possible. They could do all things. But the woman, the little girl, look like that don't make any sense a lie. But that's what man does. Man thinks that we can tame anything. That's why a man gets surprised when he gets attacked by a, 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 a crocodile trying to show off at the zoo. Look at this crocodile. I have no arm now. That's what happens. Y- 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 all y'all do is go on YouTube. They saw all these people in, this, in the places playing with all these animals. And they say, no, they bite them. But they can't bite back. You're going to lose that. Man want to get in the lion's and stick their head in the lion's mouth. Don't let that lion sneeze. Man think we are in control of stuff. But when we humble ourselves, we understand that, you know what? These animals are not tameable. We do not need to mess with them and let them live because they can turn on me. And what happens when an animal turns on us? Then, well, then we kill the animal, going to blame the animal. Want to get mad? Remember the gorilla? And the little boy that got dragged by the gorilla, people got mad at the gorilla. The gorilla's being a gorilla. How are you going to get mad at a gorilla being a gorilla? That, that's like me coming to your house. Jumping on your bed, playing with your stuff, and you will come in and call the police on me. I'm going to get mad at you. Why are you going to call the police? I was only playing in your house. Yeah, it's my house. We, get, we don't understand how when we reverence something, we respect it. And we treat it in awe, understanding the great power that is there. Who is God? God is awesome. God is might, but also God is terrible. Oh, y'all quiet on me. Do you understand that, that just as much God loves us, his wrath is just as great. But yet he'd rather show his love and his mercy. That's what it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal the land. Notice how Nehemiah heard of the brokenness and realized, God, we have offended you. We have rejected you. We, our city and the people are connected because you have abandoned us because our sin has separated us. So another remedy is repentance. He says, when I heard this, y'all see that there in the text? Verse 4, when I heard this. I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. To mourn before the Lord is something that we need to practice. We need to understand how we need to greatly mourn because of our sins. We, we, we should be greatly wrecked because of the issues we have caused our God. 
Yes, we get excited because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he has defeated death and he rose again on the third day with all power in his hand. But yet all that was because of our sin. We caused a man to be murdered because of our selfish life. That's something we ought to mourn. We ought to mourn, God. I mourn my pride, my ego, my lust. I no longer want this a part of my life. And, and, and this mourning leads to weeping, and, and this weeping led him to fast. And, and some of us need to learn how to fast, to abstain from food or, or other days that things that are necessary. So maybe you need to, since you can't fast from food because you, now you want to be a good student and listen to what the doctor said, maybe you need to fast from your TV show. Need to fast from binge watching all your shows and on demand and online and, and say, Lord, let me spend this time reading and studying your word. Maybe need some time just to say, God, let me let go of all this other stuff. And so then you can turn to God, the healer. Notice that he says, and he prayed to the God of heaven because he knew the promise of repentance. The promise of repentance is restoration. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Notice the land is in shambles, but God will allow that land to be restored when their hearts are turned back to God. Some of y'all said they didn't catch on to that. You're going to make me have to preach. I was almost done. See, now I got to go a little bit harder. See, I want you to understand that if your house is in broken state, you can't fix your house till you fix your heart. And so once you turn your heart back to God, then things start coming together. But yet you first need to be in the position before God with humility so God can work in you. And when he's working in you, he can work through you. And through you, you can see the transformation happening around you because what God is doing through you. And so notice the healing comes after we turn to God. Israel knows that God is faithful. God desires for us to turn our laughter into mourning. James 4th chapter, verses 8 through 10 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. We need to recognize our brokenness. Surrender unto God. And realize I need his word in my heart. I need to fear him and obey him. And repent of my sins. So he can restore what has been broken. Let us pray. Oh, hallelujah.